And, uh, you know, Tom Hardy is back. Uh, he's in a mask again, uh, com- completing his uh, Warner Brothers mask trilogy of this Dark Knight Rises and Mad Max. So that's good. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 464 with a review of Dunkirk. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, to start this episode off, Carson Carson has something in store for us. Um, I have no idea what it is, so uh, Carson... Why don't you lay it on me? I, I have a tale to regale you with uh, of my uh, time going to see this movie. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> so, I go, I went, we went to go see Dunkirk on opening on Thursday night, right? We went to this theater that we like to go to. You know, it's one of these, like, movie palaces and 1,200-seater. It's just a giant screen, and they've retrofitted it with Dolby Atmos, and it's all super fancy. And I saw that, you know, a couple weeks back that they are going to play in Dunkirk in 70 millimeters. So I was like, hell yes! Very, very exciting, obviously. So I was, I was very excited. Um, so we were there, and the movie starts... And <laughs> immediately there's a problem, and I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> so basically what happened, and thankfully it happened at the at the very start, which during the trailers, the, the sound kept cutting in and out of, like, it, it would play for, like, five seconds, and then sound would go out and then come back, and, you know, of course they stopped it and started it again, and it was still, still doing the same thing, um... So basically, it, they just didn't end up getting it work. Like it, the the movie started, and like a, it it I was probably on for like thirty seconds, and then the the film literally flew out the projector, <laughs> and <laughs> the screen went blank, and that was that was not. You get like the 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 little like cigarette burn thing happens, and then it's all a little yeah a little bit. It literally looked like it just flew out, um, or they gave up because they knew it was uh, it was going to keep fucking up. It really wasn't anything, uh, it was really just like a series of uh, inconveniences in retrospect that are now comical. But at the time it was like, I just want to see this movie. Anyway, because we bailed. It was, I mean, there was no good outcome for this situation. Yeah. You know, if they can't even get the sound working properly, it's like, what's going to happen when they got to go change reels? Like, I don't want to see that happen. And then also, you know... Worst comes to worst, they're just going to come out and be like, hey, we can't get this started. Everybody gets a refund. Uh, or, hey, we can't get this started, but we have a DCP on standby. So if you're cool with that, we're going to play that. So either way, it was just like, nah. So technically, I ended up supporting this movie twice in one night since I just we decided to uh, to just head over to the Arclight and see it there because... Uh, if there's one thing about the arc light is that their presentation is unparalleled. Like you're not going to have any problems, um, because I mean, there that it kind of goes back to like the unfortunate reality of like while the uh, the advocacy for film projection and 70 millimeter that Christopher Nolan is, you know, all about, like is great, but you know 
he he's like putting this in the hands of people uh who are like probably have no idea maybe haven't even seen a film projected like in a movie theater you know like it's it's crazy to think that like you know it's such a it's such kind of a lost art like a skill that i could see where someone might not also see the benefits of something like 70 millimeter yeah and it, it, it is sort of a it, it is a big deal i mean this is a special format um that not everybody is going to have access to and i think that Obviously, as you said, Christopher Nolan is a person who's trying to push this format very heavily. Like he seems to be incorporating more and more things shot on actual IMAX uh, film. Yeah. Uh, going forward, I mean, this—if you compare his his past films, where it's like certain scenes had large p- portions of those scenes shot in that format. When this movie, there was so much of this film shot in actual IMAX that I was confused why they even bothered spending <laughs> the time to do the non-IMAX shots. Well, um, uh, and, and and this one was especially, like, he didn't even shoot on 35mm for this one. Like, it was all 70mm IMAX and uh, regular 65mm film, which is, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, he didn't even do, like, he went big for the whole thing. Um, yeah, and I don't know why. I guess because, like, he always says like the IMAX camera is really loud. Uh, so like for dialogue scenes, it's not as, uh, it's not as helpful or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know, but it, it's just, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of just like, uh, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan would not be, uh, impressed with the way this was handled, especially like for an opening night showing. All right. Well, uh, what do you say, Carson? We get into this review of Dunkirk. All righty. All right, we are going to take a listen to the trailer for Dunkirk, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. What has happened is a colossal military disaster. We shall go on to the end. We shall never surrender. The call went out. We have to go to Dunkirk. Ready on the stern line. What are you doing? You know where we're going. Into war, George. I'll be useful, sir. One of ours. He's on me. I'm on him. The ship's about to leave. Die. 
You're weekend sailors, not the bloody navy. You should be at home. There's no hiding from this, son. We have a job to do. Turn it around! We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. Where's the bloody Air Force? So that was the trailer for Dunkirk. Uh, basically, is a film that takes place uh, in world, during World War II, and uh, essentially the Germans have driven back a bunch of soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire, and France, and they're all surrounded and they're waiting on this beach, trying to get off and go home, and all, all the while waiting for you know planes to come drop bombs on them or soldiers to shoot at them from the surrounding areas. Uh, and uh, I'm on it. Uh, <laughs> I'm on and, here. Uh, yeah, it's it's really just a film about people with not a lot of hope <laughs> trying <laughs> to see signs of home. <laughs> um, Carson, what did you think of Dunkirk? Uh, I mean, I think this is uh, I think this is a, a this might be the only weekend of this year where we have uh, two really good movies that uh, aren't in universes <laughs> they don't have their own shared universe guys We've got some real good ones um i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> I, I have no idea what you're trying to say right now um i mean i think this is a this is a this is a 10 out of 10 stone cold classic um i mean i was expecting a lot but uh my expectations were met and exceeded with this movie um I'm st- I still can't believe that this was uh even for somebody like Nolan who has a lot of sway like I'm I'm still kind of surprised that this was actually made by a studio because it feels it feels like indie as fuck like this feels like a 150 million dollar indie movie yeah. um which um it melds it it blends a lot of of the sensibilities of, of like, uh, uh, you know, early Nolan, like following Memento Nolan and, uh, blockbuster Nolan. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, he's taken a, something and put it, uh, on this giant scale. Uh, and it was re- refreshing to see kind of after, uh, you know, interstellar was kind of bogged down by a lot of exposition, and uh this like forced emotion like i feel like you know christopher nolan just being like a cold unemotional uh hand like that comes off more emotional than him deliberately trying to be emotional and i think in interstellar he was really trying to up the emotion and um i don't know it just didn't come off i mean as you remember we are all just kind of like left cold by that movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we were disappointed in a lot of different ways with Interstellar. Yeah. Most notably because we were all huge fans of Christopher Nolan in general. And to to see a film that feels so much lower than his other body of work uh, in comparison was pretty disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it's still... On its own. And it's not a bad movie. I mean, it's still like an, a, a, 
uh, like wonderfully crafted, technically uh, superb movie, but it just didn't live up to the awesomeness that uh, you would expect uh, from something like a, a Nolan sci-fi movie. Um, and, yeah. you know, this movie, uh, it, it, it was nice to see him, like, kind of cut out all of that. I mean, this movie is, like, simultaneously stripped down and, and also retains, like, the intricate plotting of, uh, ed- plotting and editing of, uh, you know, his movies. Um, so that was kind of, it was kind of cool to see that, uh, that working together. Um, and, and also, I mean, what it comes down to is that this is just a really like incredibly well-made movie. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome in like the literal sense definition, you know, of awe. Um, you know, being awestruck the, like, the entire time. Um, like, it's, it's literally that scene, that moment that I always like to refer to in Inception where Tom Hardy is, is skiing down the mountain and he throws a grenade in the, the Hummer and gives the guy a thumbs up before he explodes. (laughs) And then cool guys don't look at explosions, skis the rest of the way down like it's Dunkirk is is that moment for an hour and forty seven minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, you know Tom Hardy is back. Uh, he's in a mask again, uh, com- yeah. completing his uh, Warner Brothers mask trilogy of this Dark Knight Rises and Mad Max. So that's good. Um, and you know it's in another. It's uh it's in the vein of of Mad Max Fury Road uh, and also The Revenant. So. It's a it's a gruelingly and punishingly uh, another grueling and punishing entry into the Tom Hardy canon, um, but yeah, it, it has that it has that sort of stripped down nature that Mad Max had, where it's just like pure adrenaline and and action. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's like Mad Max Fury Road if the Fury Road was just a beach and soldiers had to wait there to die, <laughs> and that, like that's that's basically what the film is um i mean and it's incredible <laughs> i can't i i mean i i love the fact that if you don't know anything about dunkirk you're not going to learn anything in this movie um <laughs> like you come in and they don't hold your hand it's just you they you know you get dropped right in and it's a fucking hallucinatory horror movie for the next hundred minutes um, I mean, this really plays out like some weird, like Zulowski esque foreign movie, uh, where I'm just like, I can't believe that this is, uh, this is a studio funded project. Like, I mean, there's just, there's so much down to like the, you know, the way it's put together, the, the Hans Zimmer score, which is easily without a doubt, top five Hans Zimmer scores of all time. Um, and it's very scary at times too. Um, you know, the ticking clock thing is cool and stuff, but, uh, which I expect it to be the new Brahms and it'll just be ripped off for the next 10 years. Um, well, no, like it, it, they have their own version of the Brahm. It's almost like they took the Brahm sound and then like selected it in an editor and stretched it to be like an hour and 45 minutes. And then it's just that note in the background the entire movie 
and it's so unsettling. Like there's there's the sound that you hear when um, the dive bombers are coming, and that's a very similar sound. It's just always in the background, and even oh, yeah. when 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 an when actual bomber starts to make a run. It takes a second to realize that the sound has changed from just being that sound in the background that's keeping you unsettled to being a dangerous sound of bad things actually about to happen. Yeah, like the the score doesn't let up throughout the entire movie. Like it starts off and it's just a nonstop all the way to the end. Um, but it's also like a very hopeful and triumphant um, towards the end too. Uh, Hans Zimmer going some full Vangeli at the end there. Um, which, uh, you know, for the, the beginning portion of the movie, it's all just straight horror. Like where you're just like, oh my gosh. Um, as, as my brother said, as my brother, uh, coined it, he had PDF post Dunkirk fatigue after watching this movie. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, what? What? Oh, there's so many things wrong with that. So, I mean, yeah, it's a rush. It's a it's a trip movie. I mean, like it feels like you're in the fucking war zone. Like this feels like we were in 1940. We time traveled back and we somehow uh got a glimpse into this this battle, this that this this event that took place. Um so yeah, I think it's I think it might be Christopher... It's easily Christopher Nolan's best tentpole movie, and I think it's one of his probably top three movies uh, for sure. Like, this is just a... Like, like the film and film, filmmaking was definitely uh, there. Like, it, it's just so crazy that, you know, the the craft on display and the, you know, the 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 sequences that were captured uh it's just so crazy how you know he brought all this back to life um yeah it's a i mean it it deserves the praise that it's receiving and uh yeah for sure yeah i mean i i think this is an absolutely fantastic film uh as i kind of mentioned at the beginning I was not aware how much of this thing was actually shot in large format IMAX. Like I, you know, it's it starts off, and of course you have the big opening scene with, um, you know, that that sort of sets the mood and the tone. But then when the aspect ratio didn't change back for thirty minutes, maybe uh, I was I was just just blown away by by the way, um, like what was being presented on screen. Um, you know, last week um, or a few nights ago, uh, finally posted our review of A Ghost Story. And, you know, that is that is a film with pretty much zero narrative and a square picture. And Dunkirk is a film with pretty much zero narrative and a square format. And Dunkirk is so amazing. <laughs> um, this is a film where... The narrative is unimportant. All you need to know is that troops are trying to get out of a place. They're surrounded by the enemy. At any moment, they could be killed. And at every moment, many of them are being killed. And it's really just a film that that really shows 
uh, how crazy war is in general, and especially for these people who, you know, they went there, they did their job, and now they're just waiting on a beach, hoping that somebody will come and get them in a situation that is horrible for them. Uh, that, and they're they're just waiting around. Like these aren't. This is not action movie where the soldiers are like yelling hoorah and like shooting all these things and trying to do cool things like jumping off the sides of cliffs and stuff like that. This is just people. They're they're out of equipment. They're they're out of food. They just are sitting there in the sand in lines waiting for boats to come and get them. The film opens with like Germans dropping leaflets that is basically the entire coastline. <laughs> A little thing that says like you are here and then arrows pointing from all around and it's just like we are all around you. And it's – there's just this this sense of danger and this sense of of craziness of what everybody's going through and seeing it in the large format um like obviously Stephen isn't on this episode right now he is off in Hawaii and he was before he left he mentioned um you know maybe he can find a theater there that is playing it for some reason and i text him as soon as the movie was over and i was like don't see it there Wait till you get back here, watch it in large format IMAX, because this is the only way you should be seeing this film. And it re- it really adds so much. Like I am I am like of of us on the podcast, I am probably the the one that gets least excited about aspect ratio changes and and formats and stuff like that. You know, I'm I'm more than happy um watching a crappy version, a crappier version of what's being presented because I'm I mostly care about um, the story and the narrative. And I think that this film is something that executes on a level that makes me care about the way it's being presented to me in a way I wouldn't do otherwise. And, and, and maybe it's because there is no narrative. <laughs> I was able to focus on those things. But it just this is a film that perfectly encapsulates fear, dread, and, and really hope, too, in a way. I mean, there's so much bad stuff happening to various people in this story. But there is this ring of hope and people who are doing their best to try and help what little they can in a situation that is terrible. And there, there, there's parts where, like, there, there's, there's, there's a moment in this film where, like, two people are arguing. And, like, uh, is his name Mark Rylance? What's... Oh yeah, Mark Rylance, yeah. Yeah, uh he 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 yells back at somebody in an argument, "We have a job to do." And it made me tear up. Like <laughs> just I was so invested in the movie that just him with the emotion that he had in himself saying that yes, we're doing this silly thing. We're we're floating in this little tiny boat across to a war zone to try to pick up some soldiers and try to get them back um uh across the water. And it's like just the way he said it made me tear up. And then there, there are just there are multiple moments in this film where like char- characters, um, what they're going through and how they're responding to it, that make me feel in a way that most war films don't. And um, for that, like it is just something that has to be celebrated. And um, yeah, it's like an easel. It's an easy uh, must see. Not to get ahead of myself. For, for I mean, for anybody. I mean, it's just, it's it's a film that um, is incredible to watch incredible to to sit through and um yeah i mean it's 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 amazing uh well i mean you know there's been so many world war ii movies uh and you know most of them 
that come out nowadays, you're just like, oh, great, another one. Um, and I think that, you know, this movie skirts around that just purely by the approach that it takes to the material because, like, this is the kind of approach that, you know, more of these movies need because there's just been so many of them and it's been done so many times. I mean, yes, there could be a really great story out there that hasn't been told, but if you tell it the same, like, you know, very traditional way, uh, you know, like a very stuffy, like, biopic or uh, a words-type movie... Like that is an inter- like that's not interesting. Like this is, uh, you know, a much, much more stripped down and streamlined uh, version. You know, it, it feels like that's why it feels like a, a big action movie, uh, but also like a very s- small movie at the same time. Um, right, and- but it, it it's also it's not um, it's not. F- it's not fetishizing, fetishizing, fet, fet, what is the word? Anyways, yes. it's, it's not fetishizing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, for some reason, the word is not rolling off my tongue and it sounds weird right now, but, it, but it's not, it's not trying to be like, oh yeah, aren't these people doing cool stuff in this war? So no, rad? no, no, like, no. It, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't do that at all. I mean, and it also, it really shows that like war is not exciting. Oh no. <laughs> like, I mean, there, there's, when, when, when there's a bombing raid going on. It's one bomber and then two guide planes, right? And they're just there in case the enemy um, has their air force there to try to stop the bomber. And it, it's really just – they're just moments of quiet where something's just flying over the water going like, hmm, I don't see anything. Oh, wait, there's a thing. Maybe we should go attack that. And it's just there, – there's like these quiet moments that are really just this this isolation feeling and then these moments of intense – uh, it's, it's almost not even action. It's, it's just the result of action that you're kind of experiencing. And when it's done, you just you feel exhausted and you feel like you just went through something that was incredible. And it's like you have these moments here and there and then moments of just peace and quiet. But with that air of something bad could happen at any moment, it's, it's, it's a weird bouncing of, uh, back and forth that happens. And it's it's something that you're not used to seeing in films. Like it's most of the time you get like, like even with like, you know, saving private Ryan, the opening of that is incredible. Like it really gives you the sense of like, Oh shit, this is what, what it would be like to storm that beach. And then the rest of the film is like your standard kind of movie. Right. Um, Right. this, This is like the opening of that. And then what would be the aftermath of that opening and then the opening again, <laughs> and then what would be the <laughs> aftermath of that, and then the opening again. It's just and the it just opening happens. for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, it just happens over and over and over again, and it's like each of these moments, you're just like, man, there's there's no time where like the the city's been cleared out and everybody's high fiving and eating with the villagers, right? It's just people <laughs> who are like, dear God, please don't let another bomber come, please. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought of the opening of that too, of Saving Private Ryan. Uh, it's it's on that same level of like of, of visceralness and and uh, realism, but uh, weirdly though, like this is still a PG thirteen movie and it's all rel- it's all bloodless, but it still feels like very like I'm surprised it wasn't rated R just for like rated R for pervasive, you know tension or something so like just uh, yeah, yeah. Per- pervasive pants shitting pervasive pants <laughs> shitting the end um 
Like, I, you know, yeah, there's not all the blood and the gore, which would really, you know, uh, make it realistic, but, um, it doesn't need, it doesn't need that. It's still, it's still conveyed, like, pretty, pretty solidly, like, um, and I, you know, usually, sometimes in war movies where they, where they, where they do that, where they don't, like where it's it's just very like movie violence. So it's not it doesn't feel like you're you know how it'd be to actually be there. Like sometimes that's not as like that doesn't work. Um, but I think that the overall the the overall mood and atmosphere that's created in this movie it that is what really sells it. Like it's um, yeah, it just has that like that mix of spectacle and like real life tragedy, which that's it also reminded me of like the end of Titanic, like that kind of like really thrilling spectacle. Uh, but it's, you know, the, the they're using real life events um, because there's a lot of stuff in this movie where uh and I guess, I don't know if this is, I mean, it's not spoilers because it's history, but I guess it could be spoilers because it's in the movie, <laughs> the scenes in the movie. But like, there's, you know, <laughs> there, you know, there, there's a, <laughs> there's a moment in this movie where, you know, Tom Hardy is trying to shoot this fucking plane out of the sky and, you know, his co-pilot is, gets out, he's on a boat and he's, you know, he keeps it's like five minutes of him just come like going like come on come on and then tom harley finally he gets behind the plane and you know the score comes in it's like and you're like oh fuck yeah he's he's got this motherfucker and then so he oh yes but then the and and i'm just like oh my god like this is Okay, I think I think I am gonna dump out some of that. Um. <laughs> like it goes from it goes from being like like the most fist pumping thing to just like holy shit! Like this is this is this is a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh gosh. Um, <laughs> but I was gonna say a thing about it's funny you mentioned Mark Rylance because I think I was the one person who didn't like his performance in Bridge of Spies. Um, just because it was like, it just felt like a very movie, like I'm giving this, you know, very Oscar-y, Oscar-y, like, um, like I'm playing this character, you know, like, like Eddie Redmayne as Stephen Hawking type of deal, you know, where it it doesn't feel, uh, I don't know. It's, it's not like, you know, and and then in the BFG, he was kind of doing that too. And I wasn't vibing with that. Um, but man, in this movie, he's just like, he's just so good at like, because the acting isn't like that. Like, I like that when the acting is just like the subtle, you know, they're not trying to make this like character that's like kind of over the top, like chewing scenery. Like, I feel like that acting is like a lot more interesting to watch, a lot harder to do, um, yeah. you know, and he's just playing this normal guy and, you know, it's just, uh, it's a lot more effective, like... Uh, like you said, um, but I did not see this movie in IMAX, obviously, as I kind of indicated. I, I saw it in regular 70 millimeter, which I think um, is still very effective. Like, this movie was loud. Like, it's, you know, I, I feel like uh, 
just a regular 70 millimeter screening is definitely going to cut it, but I do want to see it in IMAX, uh, because yeah, like I, I mean, I want to see it again. I just, but yeah, obviously like the, I mean, the I, format I just, alone, there, there's just a sense of scale in, well, yeah. in the story. I mean, like, so the, the film Dunkirk follows three sets of individuals, um, and sort of what's happening in this one, um, event, right? Like all of their stories kind of converge together and you're kind of watching them all experience this, uh, from their own points of view. And they're because with the regular soldiers and, and, and everybody who's on the beach and different things that are happening, there is this sense of scale and a sense of isolation of how little these people are amidst this, this, huge thing that's happening um that they're experiencing and i think that that format really really sells that i mean there's um there is like i mean if you go to imdb right now it's it's the image um that is being used in all the banners for dunkirk if you go if you go to the dunkirk page and it's it's in the trailers where there's one of the guys that we follow he's sort of uh there's an air raid happening and he's um dived down into the sand and he kind of has his hands over his head and there are just explosions happening uh, behind him. Oh yeah. That view. was, that was awesome. Like when you see that in large format IMAX, the, the guy takes up like the equivalent of the first three rows of seats in the <laughs> bottom of the screen. And there's just these like huge explosions happening in the background. And it's like, Oh shit, that's scary. Like you're almost not even with the guy. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you're kind of not with the guy. You're with the explosions themselves and you're really seeing the entire scene. And when you're on large ships that are that are being hit by these bombers or by torpedoes and they're sinking, you there there's just something about seeing it in that way that really gives you just this like this this sense of awe and 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 just it feels like you're there and and it, and it immerses you in a way that you're not going to like I, I think I wouldn't have gotten if I was watching it just on a regular screen. Like I, I actually I was going to say for you, Carson, but it wasn't really for you. It was for me. I purposely didn't get my ticket from the fat house because though they were doing uh, well, while they did have the 70 millimeter version, it was just the regular mm-hmm. uh, seven, the one that you saw. And right. I specifically was like, I'm not getting the fat house ticket. I'm going to go to the the Metreon where they have the actual um you know IMAX 70 millimeter version. Right. And and it was it was awesome. Um I I almost missed my screening or missed the beginning of it because uh Lyft decided it wanted to give me somebody who was on a freeway in traffic instead of a few streets over from Oh me. no. Um it was really bad. And then they were giving out these sweet T-shirts that say I saw Dunkirk in 70 millimeter IMAX. <laughs> I sur- um, I survived PDF yeah. So basically, I by the time I I had to be that guy where like during the trailers, there's the freaking <laughs> the the, uh, the Star Wars um, Last Jedi trailers going on. I'm like, what seat number is this one? Uh, I, <laughs> you're one of those fucks. I, I mean, I had to be. It's a it's a signed seating, and like it's just dark except for the trailer. And for some reason, they don't put numbers on the back of the chairs where you can see. So I'm like trying to not step on people and go through. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. 
also, what seat is this? Thank you. Well, um, at least this movie was actually short, uh, unlike, you know, uh, Interstellar or The Dark Knight Rises, which were three hours long, and they literally yeah. could not fit trailers into the IMAX print. So it's like, <laughs> uh, you better show up on time because the movie is starting. Like, because um, that's, oh man, at the arc light, that happens all the time. People show up like, I was like, don't you know the, don't you know the drill by now? There's only like two, two previews, man. Like, come on. Like, yeah, I don't know. People are weird. People are not dedicated. These fucks. Uh, no, but, uh, people are the worst. <laughs> um, no, I, I want to go see it at IMAX, but I, I want to specifically make a trip to the Irvine spectrum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I think is like the, one of the best IMAXs. I know the I've heard the Metreon is also very large, but uh I mean those were like I don't uh, they they played Interstellar here at the at the Chinese IMAX, but they didn't I think they that was so much of a hassle that they didn't want to do that again for Dunkirk. Um Uh-oh. so it was that's, that's sad. Yeah, like, it's, it's freaking it's Hollywood. I know. They don't, they don't want to take the time to present a film in the way it's meant to be seen. I know. It's literally the biggest IMAX screen or theater. Uh, it's the biggest IMAX theater. I don't know about screen size in like the country. And they don't want to. Um, yeah, no, it's it's like an IMAX laser version. It's not it's not a 70 millimeter down there. Um and honestly, like that that IMAX is great, like it's huge and everything. But I think the Irvine Spectrum is is better. Like the, the there's something about like literally fucking Chris O'Donnell vertical limit, like having to <laughs> mountain climb up the stairs to get to your seats. There's something about that that's a lot better. Like it just yeah, makes yeah. it seem like you're, you know, you're just like in a in a much bigger venue. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like I definitely want to go see it down, th- uh, you know, in that way. Um, but I don't like, I, and I think this is evident of all of his or as a- any of his movies so far that have played in IMAX, is that um, the you know the seventy millimeter. Like I mean, I'm, I'm this is just me basing it off of the previous movies, but I imagine it's the same way. Like I I think if you were to go see it, like if you saw it in IMAX first and then uh went 70 millimeter just regular i don't think it would lose or vice versa i don't think it would lose any of the qualities because i mean it still felt like very large to me like you know in scale and even though the screen wasn't imax size it's still i still felt that sense of scale and just like craziness um like it doesn't i feel like it it plays well like both ways which is also how the dark knight did where you know i saw that regular first and then you know in imax it it played it was it was awesome but i feel like they they you know you don't lose anything if you see it normally like you know it, it it's great to see it in in the large format and get like that that entire screen filled up but you're not it doesn't feel like you're missing out i feel like if you're seeing it you know, on a regular screen. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, w- I would say the large format is additive as opposed to the non-large one being subtractive. But, like, I, I there were definitely times where, like, watching it, I could see... Well, it, what was interesting is I, I feel I feel like with the, the IMAX stuff that I remember from The Dark Knight uh, Rises, I, I felt like you had... 
I felt like it was it was that the regular version was probably center cropped with a bunch of shots, and that the composition wasn't necessarily cha- like it was shot with the intention of not having to do a lot of work to make the versions that weren't going to be the large format. Could be completely wrong. I'm sure I'm completely wrong, but it just felt like that. There were there were things when I was watching the film uh, Dunkirk. Like there there were moments we're watching, and I was like, oh, if you center crop this to get the regular screen you would have just ocean on the screen right now <laughs> because the things that are the primary object in screen are actually off of center right like it, it's not just a thing that you're going to take the center out of it and show it later like you have to make very specific cuts to make this fit on a normal screen and it was just interesting to see the way the composition was set up in in this format uh, it, 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 there's, there's something very interesting about the presentation yeah, and I, I mean, it'd be interesting to see it on a regular, like, 35 uh, screen, like, um, considering they, like, they didn't, like, it was, sh- this one was all, like, Dark Knight Rises, obviously, was still, it was, like, 35 and then IMAX, like, so maybe there obviously was more of a consideration, because it's, like, yeah, like, this is gonna be, like, this isn't shooting on all large format film or something, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just think it's a testament to his uh, skill as a as a direct as a filmmaker because I feel like the movie isn't lost. Like I feel like I could I could probably go see this on a like a regular screen and it would still be just as great. Um, and now that obviously doesn't mean uh, like that doesn't mean you know wait and watch this on your iPhone from voodoo or something like that. Like that's not the way it should be seen. Uh, (laughs) Like this is obviously meant to be seen on the big screen uh, in the largest format possible. So any sort of big screen version of this movie is going to play well. Uh, Obviously it's not going to play well. Don't, you know, this isn't a movie you watch on your iPhone on your voodoo account. Um, We'll have to ask Steven if he doesn't get back into the city in time to see it and ends up watching it on some plane for his next trip. (laughs) We'll have to ask him how the presentation felt. Um, Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a big screen uh, meant to be seen on the big screen in largest format possible. Um, But yeah, like, I, I mean, I'd be interesting to see like if it if, you know, if it did play any differently on just a regular screen, I, I'd still say it would hold up. But um, yeah, I mean, the main thing is see it on the biggest format possible and on on IMAX film, not IMAX digital. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, whatever, Blimax. I don't know. Like, it's, you know, they always say, like, oh, you know, I got to go out of my way. It's like, this is worth going out of the way and, and seeing it like that for sure. Yeah, I, mean, I would say if, if you if you live within the runtime of the film, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then it's then it's worth that drive um, or or train or whatever you have to do <laughs> to get there. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, also this movie, you know, last week we we're you know we were just talking about apes and you know I would I was criticizing that movie for being a very joyless, uh, uh, no no fun watch. Um, and I would say that, you know, Dunkirk is also a very grim, joyless movie. Um, but it's exactly what I was talking about, you know, last week with with Christopher Nolan. Um, is such a superior filmmaker that something like this is 
completely elevated by the craft uh and the the sheer filmmaking style um you know this is something that can be enjoyed you know and it is it is kind of it is kind of grim and depressing at and at, at certain points but it's you know it's not you're enjoying yourself like i'm not you know wanting to leave or anything um but like we said well, I, I, I think it's it's not even enjoyment it's just impressiveness impress- that, like yeah. you're, you're sitting through right that too and and i mean yeah there is there is a lot of there is a lot of uh triumphantness um in it too like i think that um the movie feels uh, and i don't like i feel like it it feels very like patriotic and i wonder if you know since it's a british event um obviously it would maybe play more to british audiences but i mean i feel like it it's kind of a just the the things that happen is like a universal uh uh like you know has a universal spirit and everything like it, i don't know it's also a reminder uh, i guess a a, f- a reminder of your of yourself to that you're fortunate to not be <laughs> the people in this movie because all of the <laughs> i mean like all of the not just the actors but you know they're portraying men who were like young they were young men like they were all like 20 year olds like 20 year olds now are like fucking on instagram and on their phones all the time like these people yeah. like we're fucking, you know, trying to escape planes and shit. Like, this is just, like, it's a whole different realm of, like, living a life and, uh, you know, you know, I, we were joking earlier and, like, that's why it's, you know, so funny that, like, that, uh, you know, they would get upset, like, oh, I don't know how to work this, but it's like, yeah, like, this movie just reminds you that of, like, the of just like oh shit like these people were like younger than us like that's like insane to me all the time like, yeah and it's that. really crazy too because like the the character that we start the story on the journey they go on is is a week of time and yeah. when the story starts it's like he hops a fence while being shot at goes one block and that's the beach <laughs> So they spend like 400,000 soldiers spend a week on a block, uh, a week on a beach, the ones who make it with the enemy a block away from the beach. Like that is just insane. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. Um, And I was going to say, I know what I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, uh, obviously, obviously. our boy Harry Styles in the movie acting debut. I thought he was hey, pretty hey, great. Don't say our boy. <laughs> uh, why not? I I thought he was great. Like he, I I totally didn't even think of him as the he he singer the, of One Direction. He's the the mean boy with the other crew, right? <laughs> he's the guy in the beginning who was talking to the main dude eating toast, and he's like, "What's with your friend?" And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the, he's the mean dude. The, the the funny thing is, I was watching the movie, and I, I don't even know what Harry Styles looks like. <laughs> I, I just remember his used to be hair. Chris is um, too old. <laughs> I just who are just these young care. whippersnappers? <laughs> uh, but it's just funny. Where I was like, I was like, uh, th- this one must be Harry Styles. <laughs> 
I mean, it is pretty crazy how, like, the, the characters have names, but, like, none of them are said in the movie. I think maybe, like, yeah. one, you know, um, which I, I like that. I like that, the, you know, you're, you don't even get any backstory on any of these people. Like the the most the most you get is uh, the guy that we're following from one of the storylines tries to get in a line and the other guy yells like this line's for grenadiers and then he goes and gets in another line so we only know him as not a grenadier yes yeah um, and Tom Hardy may or may not be actually playing Bane in this movie uh, this <laughs> yeah, yeah. this may or may not be a Bane prequel with events that happen at the end. Dude, Tom Hardy's flying around with, like, no gas half the movie. Like, fuck. <laughs> what a baller. What a baller. He's just like, oh, man. Oh, man, did Tom Hardy crash? Oh, he, like, comes back in. You're just like, holy shit. <laughs> He's flying this plane with no gas. I do like that. Like, er, er, early on in the film, his gas gauge is busted. So he's, like, riding with chalk on the dashboard of his <laughs> plane. He's like, how much fuel you got? Mm, sure. <laughs> And he's just, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I do like too that like he has his watch. He asks the guy how much fuel the guy's like twenty minutes. He's like, cool. So he writes fifteen, just so that he's got a little bit of a buffer. Uh, good times. Well, should we get to a verdict, Carson? I guess I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Uh, I was gonna rock the boat a little bit, but I think you already somewhat explained why this was allowable in the Schnazy canon. Other than <laughs> some movies that don't rely on a lot of narrative. Um, I yeah. I, mean, I, I don't. I, I, I don't know. I, like, I, I think. Mean, the, I think the reason why it's allowed in the canon is because the filmmaker, like this film, is not trying to be artsy. It's it's trying to communicate a feeling very uh, concisely and very specific feelings about war and about what these people went through. And I think that it has the backdrop, which is 400,000 soldiers on a beach with the enemy a block away and no hope of rescue. What are they going to do as they wait for some hope that maybe somebody will come pick them up? That is enough, and what you see, you couldn't you couldn't make this story better with narrative, because it would just be a bunch of exposition of people saying like like all you need is you know the one guy you're like where's the bloody air force, <laughs> like, yeah well, that it, communicates everything right it would turn like, into a, people, a movie that we've already seen yeah and you have like the one guy in the dock who's like like civilian vessels no we need like whatever um, we need destroyers and it's like. <laughs> That communicates all you need is these soldiers went into war and now they're waiting for rescue. And in their head, home is right there. Like it's right across the water and there should be people coming and they don't know about the bureaucracy of war and, and, and what calculations are being done at the highest levels of different people. And it's like all they know is we're here, enemies right behind us. We want to and need to go home. Please come get us. And that is all the story you need to do something this compelling. Like I was, I was almost surprised while watching it, how little story there was in it. It was really, this is just an experience and it's, and I know a hundred percent what Christopher Nolan is trying to convey because it's there. You're seeing, you're experiencing it alongside these soldiers and that, uh, supplants the need for a narrative because the narrative is 
uh, like these people just repeatedly trying to get off this beach and waiting around in the hope that somebody will come and pick them up. And uh, yeah, if I had to make one complaint about the film, it would be something that probably you wouldn't actually define this way, but I'm just going to borrow your term and call him a dumb wiener kid. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about the one kid who was on Mark Rylance's boat? Yes. Oh, come on. Pour one out uh, for that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I I was totally fine with the kid. I don't like his his arc. <laughs> I I thought that was uh that was just again, I was like, I can't believe this isn't a fucking 150 million dollar movie put out by a studio in July. Like, fuck. This is a fucking limited release movie you see at the end of the year. That's that that's that kind of shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I guarantee you this movie is it might get nominated for some Oscars, but it won't win, like which is kind of sad. I think it'll win like a lot of the technical awards, but in turn it could be it, it'll be like a Mad Max where like they nominated for it, best picture, it, but it better win some technical awards cuz I have never seen a better water crash landing. Oh, yeah. In a movie ever, like I am still not convinced that people weren't crashing actual planes off the coast of Dunkirk. <laughs> like, I, well, they were. I think you know they're using real planes and everything. Yeah, like th- this movie feels real. <laughs> so, um, but speaking of real planes, let's let's get to real verdicts. <laughs> um, uh, Carson, I mean, I, I don't even need to list the options, but uh, what is your verdict for this film? I mean, I think you need to add a new, I think it should be must avoid, pass, wait for rental, recommend, must see, and then Dunkirk. <laughs> uh, I, I can get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this for, it's also a Dunkirk for me. Um, I mean, I've already said before earlier in the episode there was a must see. I I recommended people um, to to go see it and uh, yeah I mean it's it's great even if you don't get a cool T-shirt like I did it's still worth seeing. You it. know it'd be a lot better if they handed out that baller uh, turtleneck that Tom Hardy was wearing instead. That would have been great. Man, he rocking a turtleneck in a. <laughs> In a plane again, Tom Hardy. You know, you gotta if you gotta get a guy in a mask and only act with his eyes, you call Tom Hardy because that's uh, he's like the he's like the the guy to do that. Yeah. Also, he is like the calmest fighter pilot I've ever seen. Oh yeah. In my life, like he, he's mostly like when he misses, he has this look on his face like, hmm. All right, let me try this again. It's not like fuck. Why won't this plane go down? It's just like. Mm, all right, try again. <laughs> um, all right, just wait for it. It's like very matter of fact. Yeah. Right on three. Veer left. Three. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that's more. I think that's true to life. Like I feel like you know people like that who are trained in the military and stuff are just that awesome. Yeah. At what they Tom do. Tom Cruise can go inverted and flip people off. <laughs> But Tom Hardy knows how to get shit done. Tom Hardy wasn't like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> screaming and shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, should we close this episode off, Carson? All right. All right. Uh, that, is the, that is our <laughs> review of Dunkirk. Um, so, Carson, 
people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? <laughs> you can find me coasting <laughs> through the air on no gas. <laughs> and then becoming Bane. Yeah, people can find <laughs> me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Dunkirk. So hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, yeah, that is it. So thank you for joining me, Carson. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.